Well, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> We're short tonight. Uh, Brother Mike is not here. Uh, they had a grandbaby, and uh, we'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. Uh, but welcome to those of you who are watching with us there online. You can find us there on Facebook and on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. You can find us on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, be sure to heart, to like, to share uh, those posts there. Uh, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe there also. All of those things helps uh, in all of their algorithms to get our information out there to the public uh, more and more. So the more you do that, the more it gets out there. So even if you comment uh, in the comments on any one of those, uh, it helps also. Uh, also, you have the phone live streaming there. You can call us at 931-455-0645. Uh, we'll be glad to give you that phone number. If you're in person, we'll be glad to give that to you here also so that you can have that. Uh, go to our church website. If you're there online, uh, go ahead and go there and you can download our worship bulletin uh, as well as our children's worship bulletin for this week. Encourage you to go ahead and do that. Uh, those are, it's got some important upcoming things. The children's worship bulletins uh, are some things that you can share uh, with your friends and with others, with their kids. And then also, uh, while you're there on our church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving there. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. We also still have uh, the charts, uh, the prophecy charts. Uh, if you need one of those, uh, just comment there on Facebook and we'll be glad to give you one of those. Uh, also, we have the numbers charts and we'll be glad to give you one of those if you want to uh, ask for that. If you're in person, I have the numbers charts. The prophecy charts are over here to my right uh, on the stage. And while you're there on our church website, under that info tab, go ahead and download uh, our prayer list. I didn't bring mine up here with me. I asked everybody else if they had one uh, and forgot to bring mine up. So I'll 
step down in just a second uh, to get mine. Uh, so, but you can go ahead and download it. It's under the info tab there at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Our song tonight, uh, Brother Mike's not here, so I'll be leading our song uh, tonight. It's not in any of your hymnals. Uh, the, the chorus is, uh, but the, the verses are not. And so everything will be on the screen for you uh, tonight. And so I encourage you to take uh, the time to, to watch the screen there and sing along with us. The prayer lists are over here to my right on the front pew if you need to get one of those. And while you're handing out, I'll take one. <laughs> All right, but if you have prayer requests, be sure to go to Facebook there. That's what we'll be looking at live for any requests that you have. You can comment on any of the other platforms, uh, but live what we'll be looking at is Facebook. So be sure to do that. So our song tonight is The King is Coming. It's all on the screen. So uh, let's sing our song tonight together.
Great. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you, Miss Pat. All right. And that goes right along with the message uh, that we'll have tonight. Hopefully, if you're there online, you've had an opportunity to get your prayer list uh, downloaded. We're going to take a look at that uh, for a moment here and go through some of the prayer requests uh, that we have. And I think we missed one. So if you're looking at your prayer list uh, over on the Highland Baptist Church uh, family side, uh, especially these that we want to mention to remind you to keep in your prayers, uh, Jennifer Williams and her family and the passing of her grandmother, Dorothy McBride, uh, Gil Williams, who is still healing from his car wreck accident, but uh, it continues to improve uh, one day at a time uh, and, and uh, going to take a long time uh, for his healing. Uh, he has uh, his mouth is wired uh, because he had some jaw uh, broken places there. Things are lining up fine, but they had to wire it to keep it all together so it doesn't come uh, apart there. And then also, uh, he's, uh, he had broke his femur, has the same situation as Christopher there with the screws and the rods, uh, but he hasn't done, at least when I saw them this last Saturday, he had not done therapy because they wanted to get the, the ankle taken care of. Uh, before, So he's supposed to be doing uh, at least seeing about that this week and what they might do with that. But I know he's having to wear a boot uh, on that uh, also. Remember Amy Jackson? Uh, she uh, went to have her x-ray done today again uh, because uh, her foot still was not healing and, in fact, had gotten a little worse. So they thought maybe she had um, broken more of the fracture that may have been there. Uh, so they were checking that out. So keep her in your prayers. Lauren Fultz, continue to remember her in prayers. I think she goes back in July uh, to follow up on her uh, visit. And then also on the friends and family side, uh, we had several that we had added before. Uh, just want to continue to remind you to pray for uh, Ryan Bond, uh, Louis Rico, who is a friend there of Brian Tate. Uh, remember that that situation in your prayers. Rhonda Morris, who's one of our CDC teachers, uh, she is uh, going to be undergoing uh, chemo treatments, cancer treatments, so we can't, chemo and radiation, and so keep her uh, in your prayers as she does that. Kenny Busher is our neighbor. Uh, he and his wife both had had COVID when they uh, went on their uh, trip to Alaska. They both got COVID, uh, but he had had some issues with carpal tunnel syndrome and had surgery before they went, uh, about month and a half or two months before. Uh, it had gotten infected a little before, got that taken care of, but then while they were on their trip, uh, the infection began to spread all the way up the arm, almost to the shoulder, to the top of the shoulder. Uh, things are improving some in that respect. He still has a small place where it's looking red, so continue to keep him in your prayers. The problem is uh, there's no one who will see him right now. Uh, not even the doctor who did the surgery because someone else saw him when he was on the trip in an emergency situation. So they've declined to, to see him anymore. So they're trying to work situations out there. It's a very frustrating thing. And so just keep him uh, in your prayers. That's Kenny Busher. 
Uh, Easton Haley, who is Brian Tate's uh, great nephew, he had spinal surgery last Thursday. I've not heard from Brian the update on that. Uh, also want to remember Robert Foglia, who is Bob Foglia's son. He has some kidney issues. Uh, Margaret Cobble, who has uh, cancer, that's Masama Jean's sister-in-law. Uh, they've also caught in hospice, and so it's just really a matter of time for her, but be in prayer for her and for her family uh, during this time. And then also Christine Cranford, who has skin cancer. Uh, I forgot the relation here to Patricia, her mother, okay. Uh, I knew there was a close relation there. So this is her mother, Christine Cranford, so remember her uh, in your prayers. And then we have had for some time uh, uh, Josh and Allison Hatfield on our prayer list who were church planters there in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, but we've switched that prayer request, particularly there to the Calgary Mission Pro Partnership. Uh, Josh and his wife and their family have moved back to North Carolina now. Uh, and seeking God's leadership and what to do and where to go uh, in that. There was a lot of things that happened there, a lot of pressures during COVID time. They had five kids. They weren't able to go home for two years to see any family uh, back there in the States because of the cost, the astronomical cost uh, that that would have been because of the, the laws in, in Canada uh, that were in place during that time. And, and so remember them in your prayers, but remember the Calgary Mission Project. We have Three from our church who are going in July, the 16th through the 23rd, myself uh, and Dwayne and Ella Thames are going. And then we have about four others, six others, I believe it's six others that will be going from the association uh, from some other churches uh, to go up and to do some mission work uh, with the church plants that are there. The work continues. Uh, there's a local church there that has started the church planting network and Josh had come in and was helping uh, to, to take over some of that from the pastor's load there. Uh, so they'll be looking for someone to fill those shoes. But uh, that work will continue on with, I think they have five plants, five church plants that they are uh, working with and have started. So uh, keep that in your prayers and keep us in your prayers as we get ready to go July the 16th through the 23rd. And then also we had mentioned Sunday to pray for Audrey. That's our granddaughter. Uh, she fractured her wrist. In fact, they went today to the orthopedic and they did put a cast on. Uh, she'll have to have that for about three weeks and then a splint for another couple of weeks. So uh, she's very young, so things are, are healing really quickly there. But, you know, if they're, when they're that young, it's hard to keep them from moving things, especially if that's a wrist uh, that you, you don't need to be moving too much. So she does have a cast on that now. Uh, so keep her in your prayers uh, for that. Uh, there's a lot of others that are there on the prayer list, but we won't go through all of those. But are there any that maybe you have tonight here that you need to update or any that you need to add? And like we said, if you're online, you can always continue to comment. Uh, we will look at the very end of the service to make sure that we don't miss any from there. But just want to make sure I don't think there are any more from here so uh, we're, we're excited for the babies <laughs> that have been born we got a brand new one that's up in the balcony uh, with us tonight and so we praise the Lord for, for being in their baby and then we've also got another one uh, that's where Mike and, and Reba are tonight uh, they had their grandbaby a little boy uh, Hudson <laughs> I have another name that goes with Hudson in my head so uh, that's why I was mistaken there Hudson is uh, their baby's name uh, their grandbaby's name. He is uh, seven pounds, I believe, 15 ounces, and 21 inches long. And so we praise the Lord for that birth. 
What is you guys' baby's name? Maybeth. Maveth. Okay, great. And so we're excited for, for their baby also. Any others? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer then uh, as we continue tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the great and mighty blessings that you have given to us. Thank you for watching over us, for keeping us uh, safe in your arms, for leading us and for guiding us, for just bringing us to your house tonight to join together uh, in worship uh, in song and worship in prayer and in worship through your word. So, Father, I pray that as we come before you right now, that you would shine the light of your truth into our hearts and lives to reveal uh, to us any sin that may be in our hearts, that we might confess those things before you. Uh, Father, we know that your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we want to know what those sins are so that we might confess those. Lord, if there is any wicked way within us, if it's a thought uh, that we have that's wrong or a thought process that is wrong, reveal those things to us. Lord, if there is anything that we have said or anything that maybe we have done or maybe something, Lord, that we haven't done that you've told us that we should be doing. And so, Father, I pray that you would forgive us uh, of our sin. Whatever it is, we uplift it to you, and we ask, Lord, for you to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Remove it, cast it as far away as the east is to the west. We don't want anything, Lord, hindering our prayers with you tonight. There are people on our hearts that we, we desperately need to see you working uh, in their lives and in their families' lives. Uh, some who don't know Christ and some, Lord, who maybe never publicly professed that, and so uh, maybe we don't know, but we just pray Lord, that through these circumstances that they're going through, that you would use it to bring them to faith in Christ if they aren't already. And if they are, Lord, that you would use this time to, to draw them closer to you than ever before, that they will grow in their faith and in their walk with you. And Father, I pray that they would even become more faithful, uh, realizing that time is precious, that life is precious, and that life is short. And Father, I just pray uh, your blessings upon those, especially those, Lord, who are facing death. Father, we pray that uh, you will send the great comforter to them and to their families to bring peace into their hearts, to let them know that you are with them, to give them strength for uh, the days ahead, especially, and decisions that the family may have to make. Father, we just pray that uh, you will show your power and your presence in a powerful way in their lives and give that peace that passes all understanding. Father, we pray for each and every one of these who have physical issues, medical issues, some maybe emotional issues or, or mental issues, psychological issues, whatever the issues may be, Lord, that each one has. Uh, we just uplift all of those to you because we know that your word tells us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So shower each and every one of these people with your grace, uh, that you might meet the needs that they have, uh, that you might demonstrate your power and your glory and your majesty. Lord, for those who are Christians, that it would be an opportunity for them to praise and glorify the name of Jesus Christ as you answer the prayers and the needs that they have in their life. Father, we pray for those who are physically ill and, and have doctors and nurses and others who are caring for them and, and watching over them. Lord, we pray for wisdom and discernment uh, for those doctors and nurses uh, as they seek to find the proper care that needs to be 
uh, done for these individuals from our perspective. But Lord, we know that you are the great physician. And so we uplift them into your hands. We place them into your hands. And we ask, Lord, for uh, you to just bring about a healing in their hearts and in their lives. And, and Father, as they're going through uh, these difficult times, as they're going through these valley times, I pray, God, that uh, you will uh, just walk with them as you've told us in your word that you do, that as the great shepherd, you walk with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. So Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley, be there with us and make yourself known to us and help us Lord to always be looking for you, looking to where you are working and seeking your will and your desires for our life. Lord, we come before you knowing that we haven't always done the things we should. So we ask father that you would lead us and guide us in the days ahead about the steps we ought to take to get back to where we need to be in our relationship with you. And Father, I just pray that tonight, even through your word here in the book of Revelation, that you will speak to us uh, and show us some, some valid principles and truths that we can apply to our hearts and to our lives uh, to, be, uh, to be renewed in our relationship with you, uh, to draw us back to where we ought to be with you, and to be faithful witnesses sharing the good news of the gospel with those around us. Father, be with our missionaries. Continue to watch over them. Be with the work that's going on in Calgary. Be with those who are going to be going there uh, in a few weeks. And Father, we pray that you'll prepare the hearts and, and the minds of the people who will hear the word of the gospel, uh, as well as that we might be a blessing to those churches uh, as we seek to minister to them and to the people uh, that they're ministering to. So bless us tonight uh, as we study your word, and we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 14. Revelation 11 and verse 14, and we're going to be looking at where we left off uh, the last time. Let me get my screen back up there. Uh, we had uh, gone through uh, the first 13 verses here uh, in uh, chapter 11. We had seen a little bit more about the two witnesses that God is going to send uh, during uh, that time uh, of the great tribulation. All of this is happening so far in the first half of the tribulation. You can see that on your revelation charts. Uh, so you've got the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets. Uh, in the seven trumpets part there, you'll notice that it says uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, speaking of each trumpet. And then you come to the angel and the little book, uh, which was back uh, in chapter 10. And then we saw the two witnesses at the beginning of chapter 11 last week. And now we're going to be getting into the seventh trumpet tonight. But there's still a lot that we're going to see in this seventh trumpet before we get to the time of the seven bowls. So you have the, the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. And then beyond that is the thousand year reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment, a new heaven and a new earth. And so that's the three aspects that you'll see there uh, on your screen in that chart. Uh, also, don't forget those numbers charts. There's lots of times we're coming across numbers in the book of Revelation, as well as in other parts of the Bible. Uh, and those are 
very important to help us to understand uh, and to interpret the scriptures uh, properly there. So if you need one of those, please uh, let us know. As you come to this portion of chapter 11, I've entitled actually this message, It Won't Be Long. Uh, As you come to this portion of Revelation, you can almost begin to kind of feel things heating up. Uh, You can feel things speeding up because we're about to enter into the last three and a half years of the seven-year period of the Great Tribulation. Uh, Chapter 11 is really a watershed chapter, if you will, that divides the first half uh, of the Tribulation from the second half. Of the tribulation. It's there uh, to prepare us uh, for the most terrifying time that the world has ever known. And now remember that there was first the breaking of the seven seals, but with the breaking of the seven seals, there was also the sounding of the seven trumpets. Uh, and these seven trumpets were divided into two groups. There was a group of four trumpets and a group of three trumpets. If you remember, those first four were trumpets of war. They were war trumpets. Uh, In the last three, they are woe trumpets. Uh, And in fact, we ended last time with verse 14. That's where we're going to pick up uh, this evening with. With the blowing of the seventh trumpet, we enter what is called the third woe. So verse 14 says, The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Uh, So if you remember that, we said the seven trumpets, there's four that are war, three that are woes, two of the woes we've already seen, and that's what it's referring to in the first part of verse 14. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Now this trumpet and the sound of it is going to take us through the entire second half of the great tribulation. We read previously in chapter 10 and verse 7 where it said, But in the the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets. So we know that the sounding of the seventh trumpet isn't just one blast that lasts for uh, one moment. Uh, but rather it takes place over a period of time known as the Great Tribulation. It's almost akin to the seventh uh, seal that we looked at because it was in the seventh seal that when it was broken open, that's where the seven trumpets were. So it encapsulated, if you will, all the trumpets. Well, that's sort of what we're going to see here with this seventh trumpet. The sound of it continues on because it encapsulates uh, what we're going to see in the next uh, judgment uh, that is going to come uh, in the vials that are going to be poured out. So we know that that sounding, as we said, isn't just and then it's done. This is a trumpet that continues on through the period of the time of the Great Tribulation. Uh, Over the last three and a half years of the Tribulation period, uh, it it blows, and it covers all that happens during this uh, terrible period of time. But keep in mind that the focus of this passage, as well as the, the entire book of Revelation, isn't really on Tribulation. Rather, the focus is on the throne. It's not on the sorrow that's approaching. The focus is on the Savior that's coming. 
If you'll skip ahead, we want to get to the end of the story always, don't we? We want to find out what happens. Go to verse 17 and verse 18 of what we're going to see here in chapter 11. Verse 17 says, this is what happened, what the 24 elders say uh, when they fall down on their faces before God that we'll read about in a moment. But he says, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And so those two verses, if you will, give us a summary of all that's going to take place uh, during this last three and a half year period and even beyond. Uh, it's a capsule and a calendar of all that's going to take place in chapter 12 all the way through chapter 20. And so let's go back now and look at verse 15. We know uh, that verse 14 told us the third woe is soon to come. And here it comes, verse 15. It tells us we want to see here the shout of acclamation. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. That's what we've been waiting for for several chapters already. So finally he blows his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, this verse in and of itself is the book of Revelation in a nutshell. Because if, if you have problems understanding this book, as you read, uh, you, sometimes you may think, I've lost my way. I don't know where I'm at, what I'm understanding here. What, what's all this got to do with? Uh, and, and maybe you're, you lost your way in the maze of the, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls that are described. I would encourage you to always make a beeline back to this verse, chapter 11, verse 15, because in this one sentence, you have here the entire message of the book of Revelation. So to understand the thrust of this verse, you have to notice carefully uh, two things, a noun and a verb in this statement that's given to us in verse 15. Now, the noun is the word kingdom, kingdom. Now, if you have a King James Version, uh, it reads the kingdoms, plural, uh, of this world. But in the original manuscript, the word was kingdom, singular. Uh, in actuality, this world is only made up of one kingdom. So when we look at the world, we see a kingdom here, we see a dictatorship there, we see a monarchy over there, we see a republic here. Uh, but, but then God looks at this world... And he sees one kingdom. He sees a kingdom that is presently ruled by Satan. Jesus said this in John chapter 12 and verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. He called Satan the ruler of this world. Literally translated that as the prince of this world. I find it interesting that Jesus couldn't bring himself to even call Satan the king of this world because there's only one true king and his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, ever since 
Satan came into this world, though, he has had a master plan to unite this world into a single kingdom that he could rule and that he could reign over. But all of his attempts have failed. And his final attempt is going to end, uh, will also end in, the, in failure. Uh, the throne of this universe uh, will only fit one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. No one can take his throne. No one can overthrow his rule. No one can take away his kingdom. So back in the beginning of human history, you remember that you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, uh, in the beginning of human history there, Satan attempted uh, at a, to build a city called Babel. Uh, the people there attempted to build a city called Babel, uh, a world society. It was all part of uh, Satan that was doing that to build this city so he could reign uh, where he could exclude God. So the people built this town. Uh, it gave them political uh, unity. They built a tower, you remember there, which was to give them spiritual unity. And then they had one tongue. Remember, everybody understood everybody in the beginning to give them cultural unity. But God had other plans. When, when they started doing that and they started building that tower uh, up to the heavens, do you remember what God did? He scattered the town. He destroyed the tower. He multiplied the tongues. Uh, and because there's only going to be one kingdom, it will be ruled uh, by God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. At one time early in the life of Jesus, uh, you remember the temptations that Satan did with Jesus? You remember what one of those was? Uh, that one of those was that Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just fall down and worship him. But Jesus wasn't interested in kingdoms. He's only interested in the kingdom. Uh, his return will be the answer to that part of the Lord's prayer where we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. But also, notice the verb in these in this verse the verb here that i want you to notice is has become has become the kingdom of the world so the kingdom uh, kingdom is the word the noun you want to underline uh, has become is the verb now you would have expected the verse to have read that the kingdoms of this world will become but notice the word that's there has has is what tense past tense. So it means that it's already happened. It's been, it's written here as if it's already a done deal. This verse is a prophetic statement. So understand carefully what prophecy is. Prophecy is history that's been pre-written. Uh, this definition is probably better. Prophecy is the future written in fact. Uh, we're waiting on the prophecies to, to be fulfilled. But God doesn't wait on anything. In the mind of God, all prophecy has already been fulfilled. His word has already gone forth, and that won't change. And, and so as far as God is concerned, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is king now. But he has yet to be officially crowned as king by this universe. He has yet to be, uh, yet to officially usher in his kingdom. When he does, what a wonderful kingdom it's going to be. It's going to be an indestructible kingdom. Here's what Daniel said in his prophecies in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. 
He said, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Daniel chapter 6 verse 26 says this, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Uh, This is what the pagan king was saying. Uh, He was saying here, I make this decree for all the people to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. That's a pagan king saying that about the king of kings and his kingdom. So it's going to be an indestructible kingdom. It's also going to be an indivisible kingdom. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 9 says this, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. There will be one kingdom. There's only one king. He's not going to be a co-leader. He's not going to be a vice leader. He's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What an awesome day uh, that will finally be when it's totally, completely uh, fulfilled in this prophecy. It's also going to be, though, an incorruptible kingdom, an incorruptible kingdom. Daniel tells us in Daniel 4 verse 3, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. We also read in Daniel 7, verse 13 and verse 14, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. When Jesus comes, he's not going to be taking sides. He's going to be coming to take over. Uh, when he comes, the world isn't going to be playing hell to the chief. It's going to be it's going to be playing all hell, the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate, fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of of all. How awesome that day is going to be. But I also want you to see the song of adoration. The song of adoration. That's what we see in verse 16, 17, and 18. When this angel sounds and the trumpet is blown, the announcement is made that Jesus is exercising his right to rule and to reign over his vast domain. In other words, all heaven breaks loose. The saints in heaven begin to sing a, a song of victory. Uh, they begin in a, a song also of vengeance that tells in every line about the future of the world. So this song of adoration is also a prophetical song. It's talking about things that are yet to come. So notice the rejoicing of the saints in verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17. Uh, Verse 16 says, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces 
and worship God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, uh, who is and who was. And we'll stop right there and we'll come to the last half uh, of that verse in just a moment. But these 24 elders here, they represent the redeemed of all the ages who are up in heaven with the Lord. Uh, notice they fall on their faces. Now, this is the only time in the Bible that that particular phrase is used when a person worships God. Uh, At the very thought of Jesus, at the very mention of his name, at the very acknowledgement of his reign on this earth, heaven, all of heaven, is moved to worship and to praise and to glorify and to magnify and to edify his name. Sometimes... People refer to uh, our God in heaven as, well, there's somebody up there uh, who must love me. Or or the man upstairs is, is looking after me. If we truly believe God is the God of heaven, uh, that he is the great God that he is, our our response ought to be the same as it will be in that day. Uh, The Lord isn't just some nameless somebody who, who we can't know, and he's not some ordinary man raised up to a higher power. He is the holy God of Israel who spoke this world into existence with just a word. And with just a touch of his finger uh, could destroy it in the twinkling of an eye. You show us a person who worships God and and you, and you, you show me what they call God. You show me how they refer to God and it will show you whether or not they really truly know God. Because if Jesus Christ walked into this room right now, what should our response be? It ought to be just like this, that we fall on our faces and we worship him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You want to know something? He's here right now. He's here right now. You don't have to wait till he comes where we can see him visually. He's already here right now. I believe if the church would fall on their face more, we wouldn't be falling as much on our face. Notice also here, the reign of the Savior in verse 17 in the last half. He says, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The saints in heaven are excited because Jesus is finally coming back to rule and to reign. So, uh, And this is why we're given this about the seventh trumpet, remember, to prepare us for what's about to come. Because it's about to get really, really bad. Worse than what we've seen uh, in the seals, worse than what we've seen in the trumpets, is to remind us, keep your focus on Jesus. No matter how bad all this gets around you in the circumstances, you keep your focus on him. And that's what they're doing. Finally, he's coming back to rule and to reign. And they're so excited. Understand that this is... that, that. This that the only one who can save this sinking ship called planet Earth is the Lord Jesus Christ. The world's only hope is Jesus. The world may not want Jesus, but it desperately needs Jesus. Somebody once said, our world is dying in a hell of bullets, drowning in a sea of drugs, decaying in the acid of immorality. You see, despair 
and destruction and depression hovers over the land like a cloud that will not go away. The answer for our world today where we live at in this time and in this period of time it is not in education, it's not in reformation, it's not in legislation, it's only in the second coming of the Lord Jesus. What a picture to see of the reign of the Savior. He has already begun to reign. Notice also, though, and this is confusing, the rage of the sinner. The rage of the sinner. Now, this is something you're going to see for the rest of this book, all the way through, is the rage of the sinner. God brings judgment. The people get angry. God brings judgment. The people get angry. It's not repentance. It's not brokenness. It's not tears and weeping. They're angry. They are furious with God. And you're going to see that over and over and over. Notice verse 18 in the beginning here. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name. Notice that what causes rejoicing in heaven causes anger on earth. There's joy that we just read about in heaven. They fall down to worship God in heaven there, the 24 elders do, but the scene is different on earth. Uh, there's delight in heaven, but there's rage on the earth. There's coronation in heaven, but there's cursing on earth. There's worship in heaven, but there is woe on the earth. Why are the nations so angry? Simply because they don't want God in their life. You could almost take the statistics of things you're hearing on the news right now, of people's views on certain things, and you could extrapolate those to, to show that there are, there's at least 50% of our own nation who does not want God in their life. They want to do things their own way. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 and verse th through verse 3, speaks to that anger and to that rage. Because notice what the psalmist said. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Now that's the psalmist who's writing hundreds of years before ever Jesus was born in that lowly manger. So this is nothing new. The nations have been raging against God from the beginning. But now we're seeing in this great tribulation, that is being ramped up to a, an, a higher level than it ever has been before. Why do these nations rage? Why do the people's plot in vain? Here's verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We feel like we're just tied by God and by his word. Let's just cast it all away. But notice their anger is going to be met and matched by the wrath of God. In fact, they're going to discover that the wrath of man is no match for the wrath of God. The question had already been asked back in Revelation chapter 4, verse 7. 
Do you remember that question? For, for the, day, the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? What's the answer? No one. No one can stand. Now, there's two Greek words for anger. One word is thumos. It means outbursts of rage. But the word used here is the word orge. It's where we get our English word orgy from. Orge, which means righteous indignation. So what we see here is God isn't simply throwing a holy temper tantrum. He's not pitching a fit. He's simply expressing his pent-up righteous indignation against sin, against iniquity, against rebellion. We're told it's going to be a time of judgment. Look at the last half of verse 18. He said that this judgment is going to come upon uh, your servants, the prophets, the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers uh, of the earth. In other words, nobody is going to escape. The smallest of the small, the greatest of the great. Uh, judgment is something that's often missed today in, in preaching and even in our study of God's word. We're told to, to talk about the love of God, but not the wrath of God. The, talk about the mercy of God, but not the judgment of God. The world would like to believe that there's only three stages to a person's existence. There, there's birth, there's life, and then there's death. But the Bible says that there are four stages to your existence. There is birth, there is life, there is death, and there is judgment that is everlasting, e either eternal, eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. And so notice this, uh, what, what it's saying here. Uh, we're told to only speak about the love of God. You, you, you hear this all the time because when we speak about truth in God's word, that something that's happening in our society, in our world, that sin, people say, God's loving though, and you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't speak about that. God's a God of love. But what we fail to miss so often is that he is also a holy God. He is a God of judgment. The world would like to believe uh, that, that you, could, you can only have the love of God without the justice of God. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, And just as is it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And so if we're going to be true to the word of God, then we ought to tell others about the love of God for sinners, but also about the hatred of God for sin. We ought to tell others about the God of mercy, but we also ought to tell others about the God of judgment. All too often, we have leaned too far one direction and, or too far the other direction and not proclaimed both. It's a wonderful thing to rest in the hands of a loving God, but it's also true as Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But not only will it be a time of judgment, the Bible tells us, it's going to be a time of destruction for destroying the destroyers of the earth, verse 18 says. In Revelation 9 and verse 11, we're told, They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. 
And in Greek, he is called Apollyon. Now, we've already looked at this passage already, but just to remind you, uh, the name of the devil in this passage is Abaddon in the Hebrew, and in the Greek, his name is Apollyon. Uh, The first word means destruction. The second word means destroyer. So Satan is the destroyer. Uh, He's wanting to tear down everything that God has built up. And one day, the devil, the destroyer, his demons, those who follow him, all who have taken sides against the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in this verse, will be destroyed. It's going to be judgment for destroying the destroyers of this earth. That may sometimes to us in our day and our time seem as if, as if evil tends to be on the winning side, as if Satan somehow has the upper hand, as if God is maybe even asleep at the will. But I tell you, like R.G. Lee, the great preacher of old, once preached, there's going to be a payday someday. God will have the last laugh, and he who laughs last laughs best. It may appear to us as if God and good are taking a beating, but I tell you that God will win in the end. Notice the reward of the servant there again in verse 18. Notice God's messengers. He said uh, that this will be a time for the dead to be judged and also for the rewarding of your saints, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great. It's interesting uh, to see here that that he says God's messengers, God's martyrs, God's people are going to be rewarded for their faithfulness uh, and, and for their love. Everyone who has feared the name of God, whether you're small or whether you're great, is going to be rewarded. Let me encourage you to take heart because not one good work that God does in and through you, not one good word, not one good witness is going to go unnoticed or unrewarded by your heavenly father. Your father who, uh, who you worship in secret sees in secret. Uh, and, and so it's not going to go unrewarded because every work of Jesus will be blessed. And then finally notice the scene of affirmation. The scene of affirmation. This is seen in the last verse of chapter 11 in verse 19. It says in verse 19, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake, and heavy hail. So get the picture here. It's interesting to see that this chapter, chapter 11, begins with a temple on earth. Remember, we talked about that the last time in those first 13 verses. There's another temple that's yet to be built. There's already been three that have been built. We've talked about those last time. Uh, And then we talked about the one that is yet to come. And so we come here to this last verse here. And and this last verse uh, tells us that uh, it, it begins with a temple. It ends with a temple in heaven. There's a temple on earth. There's a temple in heaven. Now we're told that this temple in heaven is open. Notice that Revelation 
is a book of openings. Uh, Heaven's door is opened in this book in chapter 4, verse 1. Seals are opened in this book in chapter 6 through chapter 8. The abyss is opened in chapter 9. The temple is opened in this verse. The tabernacle of testimony is going to be opened over in chapter 15. Heaven is going to be opened in chapter 19 and verse 11. The books of judgment are going to be opened in chapter 20 and verse 12. But the temple is specifically opened here so that the Ark of the Covenant might be seen. Why is it important that the Ark of the Covenant be seen? Notice God's temple in heaven was open and the Ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. You know, for generations, people have wondered, where is the Ark of the Covenant? When the heavens opened here in the the temple in heaven, we see it. It's there. And, And so notice here, this, this ark is opened because those readers who were familiar with the Old Testament, this would be a tremendous confirmation and affirmation of the love of God and the guidance of God and the providence of our wonderful God because that was what they were always looking to as the symbol of God's presence with them, of God leading them. Uh, the people of Israel, they were to carry that ark everywhere that they went. Uh, they were to follow behind it. In that ark were, you remember, the tablets of stone that the Ten Commandments uh, were written on. Uh, some other things that were in that Ark of the Covenant is, is Aaron's rod, uh, which budded, and a golden pot of, of manna. Uh, This simple little ark and all it contained would be a great encouragement to the people of God for several reasons. One is because the ark was a symbol of God's presence. It's a symbol of God's presence. The ark was a sign that God is present with his people. So as John is writing this, even to Jewish people who are on the earth at this time, who are seeing the revelation happen before them, who are seeing these prophecies fulfilled before them, it's a sign to encourage them here that God is with you just like he was with you back there in the Old Testament with the Ark of the Covenant. It was at the Ark that Moses could meet with God. It's not only a symbol of God's presence, it's also a symbol of God's promise. The tablets of stone that the law was written upon represented the word of God. It represented the covenant promise of God to take care of his people, to never forsake them, never to leave them, but always to defend them and accomplish his purpose through them. So as they're hearing this revelation from John, they're hearing, whoa, there's the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and we're seeing it and we're seeing all of the, uh, the majesty there of heaven in this temple. And it's reminding us God is there to defend us. God will accomplish his purpose through us. And it also is to symbolize God's power. God's power. Aaron's rod that budded is in that ark. The rod was a picture of the power of God and how God could bring life out of death. Uh, that showed that God has sovereign power over all his creation. That's what the, the budding of Aaron's rod meant. And so it's a reminder to them that even though uh, you may be spiritually dead, I will bring life into you if you trust in me. And then the ark was also the symbol of God's provision. Because in that ark was the golden pot of manna. You remember the manna. The manna was the bread from heaven that was used to feed and to sustain an entire nation for 40 years while they lived in that dry, dusty desert, wandering in that barren wilderness. And this is important because we read this in verse 19. 
It says, there were flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. We talk about giant hail or gorilla-sized hail. You'll hear that term sometimes on the Weather Channel. Uh, Notice here, remember these symbols are symbols of judgment. These are symbols of the wrath of God. They will, there is going to be great and trying days for God's people on the earth. That's what he's saying. It's fixing to get worse than you've ever seen before in these last seven judgments that are about to come in the opening and pouring out of those bowls, those vials upon the earth. But he's saying, take heart. Take heart. It's an encouragement to God's people. It's a motivation to them to trust him, to serve him, to obey him regardless of the cost. You know, we don't ever need to fear the storms of life as long as we can hide in the rock of ages. It reminds me uh, of an Andre Crouch song uh, that I entitled this this message from. It won't be long till we'll be leaving here. It won't be long, we'll be going home. I don't believe it's going to be very much longer until Jesus comes again. And I believe that the time is at hand, but until that time comes, no matter what happens or what takes place, know this, the enemy may attack, but they will not prevail because God is on the throne. That's the whole purpose of what chapter 11 in this last half is to remind us of, is that no matter how scary this may seem as we go through to chapter 20, remember, he's still on the throne. He's still in control, and he still loves you and sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us in sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. Lord, in this wonderful picture of what is going to happen in seeing the temple there in heaven and seeing the 24 elders bowing down and falling prostrate on their face to worship Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then the temple is opened in heaven uh, to reveal the glory and the splendor and the majesty of, uh, of your presence with us. And even the, the, the Ark of the Covenant there and all that it symbolizes and represents. Lord, I pray that we will take courage even now in our own day. That, Lord, no matter how bad things may seem today, you're still on the throne. You're still in control. And you still love us. Help us, Lord, to always keep our focus on you. And may you be glorified and honored in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, with us online. Uh, Looking real quick there. Don't see... I do see that Pat Gaddis is having her knee surgery uh, on July the 5th. She had put that in the comments there, so remember her uh, in your prayers. Uh, I would encourage you to, it's a little bit of a a headline grab kind of thing where they kind of try to get you to look at an article. Uh, Weather Channel has an article recently on biblical proportions of a grasshopper uh, and that type uh, invasion and actually... Uh, multiplication is doing a lot of devastation and damage in the northwest of the United States right now. 
uh, do a search for that and look that up because we're going to come to some of that as we come to the judgments. I don't believe that's this fulfillment yet, but it'll give you kind of the picture and the image of what's coming. Thank you, though, for joining with us uh, online there. We look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. Uh, we have Sunday school at 915, so come and join us in person. Worship's at 1030. We'll be back there online on all those platforms. You have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.